Hip hop culture sets the trends that the rest of society follows. Facts, exactly. Hey, welcome to Trapital. I'm your host, Dan Runcy. This is your place to gain insights on the business that shapes music, media, and culture. We dive deep into the companies and moguls who start the trends that shape the rest of the business world. Today, you're gonna to hear a talk that I gave at Stanford University. I was really excited to give this talk, and now I'm really excited to share it with you as well. I was invited to speak by the Graduate School of Business and their Black Leadership Conference and Gala. And this event stuck out to me because when I was in business school, I was one of the co-leads for this same event at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business. And this is where we had Steve Stout as a keynote speaker. This is where him and I had first met almost a decade ago at this point. And I knew what it was like to be in their shoes planning this event. You want to be able to curate and find something that made sense for all the different stakeholders, whether it's the alumni or prospective students or current students. And I know how influential these events can be. And it was an honor to then be on the other side of it being asked to speak at this type of event as well. The theme for the conference was Black Futures, and they wanted to do a talk that was about music and entertainment, and specifically about the future and where things are going. So the name of this talk is The Future of Music, and you'll see I weaved in several themes that have been common threads from Trapital, but also a few things that you may not have heard before, especially if you've been someone that's been listening to the journey and listening to a few episodes that we've done over the years here. So I'm excited to share that, and I was also great to be able to be part of this event as well because the person that was honored at the end of the evening with the 2023 tapestry award was steve pammon and steve pammon of course ran parkwood entertainment with beyonce for several years and had worked across media and entertainment in his career before that he was a graduate of Stanford University as well. And most recently, he's been on the boards of WWE, IMAX, and currently is the president of Versus, helping Swiss Beats and Timbaland build what they're doing there. And the purpose of the award is to honor people who are inspirational with their leadership, intellectual excellence, and service to others throughout their personal and professional life. If you've been listening and reading Trapital for a while, you know that Beyonce is someone that I've talked about a lot, broken down the strategy. And Steve reached out early on to show his praise and his commitment and support for what I was doing and has always been helpful through everything I've done. So it was great to be able to see that as well and be in the room for that as well. And again, this was just a really special day. I really enjoyed it and I'm excited to share the talk with you. So here's my talk on the future of music. As you mentioned earlier, my name is Dan Runcy, and I'm the founder of Trapital. It's a media company and research company that covers the business of music, media, and culture. And one of the big focuses that we've been talking about a lot is the future of music, where things are going, specifically for black artists, black culture. And as you mentioned, I started this company in 2018. And one of the things that inspired me the most about this company is this right here. Hip hop culture sets the trends that the rest of society follows. Facts, exactly. And to be honest, it's broader than hip hop culture. It's also black culture more broadly, it's R&B. And we've seen this time and time again. And one of the examples that I think about a lot is the mixtape. That's the original minimum viable product. You put it out, you wanted to see what the streets resonated with, 
what songs gravitated to people the most, the ones that hit the most, you polish it up a little bit, and then that one then becomes the lead single that you put on the bigger album. And that's essentially the same playbook that we see startups doing now with their MVPs. How do you figure out what you want to have before you go to market? And we've seen this time and time again. Here are a few more examples. You look on the left here, Soldier Boy. That was what YouTube looked like back when he dropped Cranked At. And that was revolutionary at the time because you didn't just drop music without a record label and you could have the number one hit in America. It was so unique and distinct what he did at that time. And then several years later, we saw how the trends continued to grow, especially once technology was able to lower the barriers to entry and let hip hop artists do what they did. Back in 2015, that's when we first saw that hip hop officially became the most listened to genre in the world. We started to see the impact in tech as well with folks like DJ Khaled and how he was an early mover on Snapchat. And we saw how influential that platform was. And when you look at the platform like TikTok, year after year, it's hip hop music that is the most powerful music and the most listened to, the most engaged with music on that platform. So this is the trends we see, and this is always where it goes. But this is one of the things that frustrates me about this. We inspire the billion dollar outcomes, but we don't necessarily reap the full rewards from that work. The trends, the originators, so much of it starts with what we do, but we don't necessarily get the full take from that. And there's a number of reasons why, and there's a number of ways that things are getting better, but there's a few trends that we've started to point to, and I wanna talk about a few of them today. One of the things that I think that I wanna be able to see the artists in the space do is expand beyond the upfront checks. You see these music festival posters here? Some of them you've probably been to. Maybe a quick show of hands. Who here has been to Lover and Friends before? Did you see Genuine fall off that stage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who here has been to Rolling Loud? Okay, a few hands. And then who here has been to Day in Vegas? And these events are great. It's a great opportunity to bring so many of the artists that we grew up with from yesterday and today, see them together on a stage, but it's one check and then they go about their business. They don't own the equity in these. They can't go and have these platforms grow and sell over time. These aren't hard tickets, they're soft tickets. So there's an opportunity to use those as a way to grow the bigger base, but you still want something underneath that. You still want something to support that. And in addition to that is expanding beyond the vanity metrics, because unfortunately, sometimes people do get a bit hung up on some of these numbers you see here. How many Spotify followers do you have? How many TikTok followers do you have? How many Instagram followers? What spot did your song get on the Billboard Hot 200 or Hot 100? Yes, it's important to see those as a signal but those don't necessarily make the real money because there's a big distinction that we've seen, unfortunately, between the people that dominate those lists and the people that are actually bringing and owning the work that can grow and have their success time over time again. And one of the ways that I've been able to, whether it's talking with artists, talk with people in the industry, it's thinking about artists having their own funnel. And this is one of the diagrams that we were able to create through our work at Trapital. And we have been going back to it time and time again every artist should be thinking about their funnel. At the top, you have building awareness. So whether it's what you're doing on social media, how you're using different tools such as the gaming platforms like Roblox and Fortnite, all of those are areas to meet people where they're currently at. That next level down 
is about growing your fan base. Whether you're going out on the road, whether you're doing tours, you're still doing some festivals, you're maybe doing some brand partnerships selling products there, but you're still finding a way to reach those. But the area at the bottom there, that part here, maximizing the platform, that's where the real ownership comes from. That's where the real long-term opportunities come from. It takes time to be able to develop that and you need everything there in place, but that's how this ultimately works. One quick example I wanna share, is a turnaround story of how this has been done relatively well recently with the artist who's no longer with us. It's been over a decade since Whitney Houston passed away, but unfortunately when she passed, she, as many of you know, had a very up and down life. And when she passed, there wasn't as much money to her name or to her estate's name. And when you have someone with this much potential, someone with this much impact that she's had time and time again, it's unfortunate to see. But in 2019, her estate partnered with this company called Primary Wave. Primary Wave is in the business of owning and managing music rights for several artists. They purchased a 50% stake in Whitney Houston's estate, and they went to work finding demos from songs that she had unreleased that were made from popular ones that she had had looking at multimedia opportunities to help extend her name and ultimately getting ready for a feature-length film. And we've seen the results where they've been able to forex the annual revenue growth for an estate for an artist that's no longer with us in a very short time span. When I saw this, that stuck out to me because I think about how many other artists are out there. Yes, we see the Elvis biopics, we see the Elton John biopics, but think about someone like Bob Marley. Think about how impactful the legacy is of someone like him, but when do we see those opportunities? When can we see that? And those are just a few of the things that we could ultimately do that help close that gap because a lot of it stems back from this here. Artists become millionaires selling music, but artists right now are becoming billionaires selling products. Millionaires selling music, billionaires selling products. And these are just a few examples of those. You see you have Rihanna up there with everything she's done from Fenty Beauty and Savage Fenty. You have someone like Tyler, the creator. You have his Camp Flognaw Carnival, but he also has his brand, um, Golf Wang, self-reported, $18 million a year revenue from that. You see Travis Scott there. His year that he had in 2020 is still one of the most impressive years from a commercial perspective that any artist has had. You see he, not only the serial, we see the little Fortnite thing in the back. You see the Beats by Dre headphones, and then you see 50 Cent and everything he's done with the power cinematic universe. So many spinoffs, I can't even keep track right now. But it's impressive. That's what we ultimately want to see. But the thing is, we've known who most of these artists have been for a decade. The big question that I have, that I think many of you probably have too, is which artists have next? Who are the ones that we can identify to then take advantage, especially in this new era that we're in right now? And while it may be still early to determine who those are, there's a few trends that we've seen that I think will dictate that. The first trend is betting on music's glocalization. So glocalization is the creation of products for the global market that are adaptable to local cultures. So it's the global market itself, but creating products for it that are adaptable for local cultures. And an example of this is what streaming music has specifically been able to do. Streaming, of course, lowered the barriers to entry. That means anyone across the world that has access can now upload their music and get it onto any of the digital streaming providers. But this, actually creates more opportunities for the voices that were held back. That's why we've seen the rise of Latin music. That's why we've seen the rise of all of the genres of music that have been coming from the African continent, which is great, 
The thing is though, this actually provides benefit for those people that are in those cultures that wanna now be able to reach their own people. And that's gonna resonate more than what's been happening traditionally with the music industry, which is just Western music and Western artists pushing their music out to the rest of the world. And I do think that African music is what will benefit most from this. We've seen the impact and the success of Ama Piano and everything that's happening with music from South Africa. We've seen it with Afrobeats and everything happening in West Africa. And we see the data to prove it. The impact that someone like Burna Boy has is incredible. And if I'm betting on who those next superstar artists can be, I'd probably bet on someone like him before I bet on an artist from the West, just given the fact that the West is saturated, but this is where the opportunity is. It's artists like him, it's artists like Bad Bunny and folks like that. The other big focus I put a lot on is betting on longevity. Everything is so quick now, everyone wants to see immediate reactions of everything they do but it's the people that have been working at it and stay consistent that have that base, especially when everyone else is willing to go back and forth so quickly, those are the ones that are going to have the big advantages. And one of the themes and one of the theories that we introduced at Trapital a couple years ago is the Outcast Edge. Named after Outcast, of course, one of the most well-respected hip hop groups in the world, but the theory is this, when outsiders grow slowly, they build a loyal audience of like-minded outsiders, then they have staying power once they get to that place. It's named after Outkast because of course, 1994, they dropped their debut album, but they had trouble getting that demo out there at first, but then you go from Southern Playlist to Cadillac Funky Music, you go from that, AT Aliens, Aquemini, Stankonia, and then 2004, Hey Ya and Speakerbox Love Below wins album of the year. Still the last hip hop album that has ever won album of the year almost 20 years ago. That's both quite frustrating and not need to go into all those reasons today, but that just shows how that really was a 10 year overnight success story. And that's what this Outcast Edge really is about. But it isn't just folks in music. As I mentioned, it is Outcast, but it's also what we saw with Issa Rae and that journey from awkward black girl even before that from dorm diaries to everything with Insecure and past that is what we saw with Tyler Perry. His first play was in 1992. He failed year after year after year until 98, 99, finally started to see success from those plays. And then now he's one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. And we see that with that OF, that's Odd Future, Tyler, the creator, he's another one of these as well, to just see where he is back when people did not really wanna mess with Tyler, the creator early in his career to doing what he's doing. So those are the type of people that have the outcast edge. And we're keeping eye on the people that may have it as well. You all recognize this album cover, I'm sure. You all listen to this album, I'm sure. The impressive piece about this album is just the staying power this album has. This is still one of the top five most listened to albums in the country, which may seem surprise, which may not seem that surprising, but given how much people just remember and then forget, it's still huge. Even the album that SZA put out in 2017 is still in the top 50 this week and has been there week after week. And that's because her label, Top Dog Entertainment, TDE, they've been focused on longevity and the fact that they've been able to then move to see the Kendrick era, and obviously Kendrick's now leaving that label, to now see the impact that someone like SZA has had, that's the longevity that we're talking about.
And that's what makes me excited about this work. And for you all interested in this work too, understanding that the future is bright. There's so many opportunities out there and I think we're just getting started. Thank you so much. As I mentioned, I'm Dan Runcie. I'm the founder of Trapital. There's a quick QR code if you want to scan, you can learn more about the work we do. But I'll pause there. I think we have a few minutes for questions and we can go from there. Thank you. Any questions? Yeah, I think we have time for like one or two questions. Oh, she's come, she's come with a mic behind you. Uh, good morning, I'm Yerim De Leon. Uh, thank you, Dan, for being here. Um, you mentioned your funnel, that every artist should build one of those funnels. Um, what are some examples of artists that have built that funnel? Um, and what do you think pushes an artist to go down all the way to the bottom of that funnel? Yeah, so we can go back to that quick. I'll keep it quick just so we can get to others. But one example of an artist that has done this well is Beyonce. So. What Beyonce has been able to do has been pretty impressive on this front because even as someone that recently just started her TikTok page right when Renaissance came out, this was around a year ago, she still found effective ways to use this. One quick example is in 2019, she, or 2018, she had released her documentary Homecoming about her Coachella headlining spot that she had had. She could have put that out on title, platform that she co-owned, which would have been further down her funnel from an ownership perspective, but she wanted to put out on Netflix. Netflix was reaching nearly 200 million people at the time. Now it's that then spreads her awareness. She's also was in The Lion King the same year. That then gets her awareness out even further. So she gets paid to have that top of line awareness there, but then she's also growing her fan base by whether it's going on tour, people have made going to Renaissance tour destination and just being able to do that. And then when it comes time for her to sell her products, whether it's Ivy Park or some of the others, she has been able to do that. Granted, some of those products have been more successful than others. We could talk more about that after, but that's one example. And we do have a separate one of these that we made for Beyonce that I think is resonating with some folks. Any other questions? Yep. Thank you. Um, first off, I think your platform is brilliant, like a really great idea. Uh, my name is Ryan McBride, visiting from New York City. Um, I currently work for the on the global programs team at the Obama Foundation. And I'm also University of Michigan alum, so I want go to blue. say go blue. But my question for you is, um, <laughs> I, I think it's a brilliant idea in terms of being able to build a platform to, to share the power of these trends. I'm wondering, does your platform, like your articles, do they speak to other um, other forms of capital? So like we've seen you know, hip hop artists have effects on social movements and elections and, you know, other sectors. So I'm wondering, like, do you speak to like the social capital piece or like the building political capital piece in addition to the business, you know, financial capital portion? We, we do once in a while, although that isn't the main area that we focus on, especially after George Floyd's murder in 2020, we did do a piece that was highlighting the coverage, not just of what artists have done at the time, but also the journey of hip hop's origins. Because in many ways, you look back to why Public Enemy and others were putting out Fight the Power, they were, hey, they were saying, hey, we're the black CNN, we wanna provide a voice and uh, provide more of a glimpse to what's going on in the street. Even go back to Grandmaster Flash and the message, all of that is trying to communicate these things. So there's an origin to sharing the reality that the mainstream didn't wanna see. And I think that we've seen that time and time again, whether you've seen other genres or other regions of the world that have essentially done quite similar. So. Although that isn't a huge area of focus for us at Trapital, we still do delve in there time and time here and there. I think we probably have time for one more. Hi, I'm Whitney, um, Howard grad. 
And uh, um, my question is, time and time again, we see artists lose their fortune in a generation. And I really absolutely love what this like shows. But I'm curious, who is responsible for guiding the artists through these funnels? Like, how do we know they're trustworthy? How do we keep them accountable? And especially an artist who's new to the game and may lack financial literacy. And um, like, how do we get at them, I guess? Yeah, so a few things there. Artists, there could be a bit of a trap, I've noticed, and a huge opportunity where there's a likelihood for someone to stay with the person that was loyal to them, that found them. Everyone wants to be with the business partner that was with them shooting in the gym, right? But as you all know from building companies or building startups, the same people that you have on your team that are with you from your angel round up to your series A are not the same people that you may need when you're getting ready to IPO. You need to gradually have different people you can bring from zero to 60, 60 to 80, 80 to 100 as well. And I think that is a challenge that some artists can see. So. That's why we often see sometimes that artists have let go of their manager and they've gone on to new people, or even that manager goes on to do different things as well. So there's an opportunity to be able to get even finer with that. And I do think that the superstar artists at the top of the game do have people that do often have those principles, but there's a huge gap and a huge opportunity for the artist who may be three, four levels below, how do they then get to that level? Luckily, there's more and more platforms people that have been managers themselves that are now launching businesses, whether it's someone like Troy Carter, what he's done with Venice Music. He's like, okay, I've done this for Lady Gaga and others. How can I help now bring this to scale to help other people? So you see things like that. But in my opinion, this is still a huge area where we can close the gap a little bit. Thank you all again so much. As I mentioned, if you want to learn more about Trapital, I'll leave this up here if you want to just go to the website to learn more. And with that, thanks again. I'll be around for a little bit after. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Send it to one or two people you think would really get value out of listening to this episode. And while you're at it, if you could rate and review the show, that would be great. Rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, rate the podcast on Spotify, rate the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps make sure that the word gets out about Trapital and what we're building here. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time.